0: The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. The truth has not been declared. I am a sinner. I don't know about you. He holds the whole world in his hands, and yet he finds time for me. Man, that's amazing, isn't it? My name is Celestin Musekura, I am always honored to be here for some of you uh, who do not know me, uh, I am your brother from the other mother, <laughs> and uh, you cannot uh, do anything else about that, so <laughs> you better get, uh, get used to it. Indeed, uh, it has been a great privilege. It has been, it's already 18 years since I get to know Gary and Bev and many members of this congregation. Uh, This church has changed my life, the life of my family, my wife and four kids. Uh, We can truly say our lives have been transformed because of their love and care and encouragement from this congregation. It is 18 years ago when uh, Gary and a uh, few men uh, from this church joined me in Nairobi. I had uh, just started Alarm uh, two years then uh, because of the genocide in my home country of Rwanda and training and encouraging pastors to deal with the aftermath of the genocide. And then let alone I came uh, to Dallas Seminary and... Uh, since then, this has been like my home. And so when I say you are my brothers, my sisters, it's not a joke. And so I'm very honored once again to be here. We live in a world that is crazy. We live in a world that is changing. And sometimes the changes are inevitable. Sometimes the changes are because of this world's going to end. Sooner or later, we are going to be home. So this is not home. But while we are still here, the question is, how do we live with our neighbors? And today, I want to talk about justice for the neighbor. Now, some of you may say, who is my neighbor? That's not uh, abnormal. That question has been asked 2,000 years back. But our neighbors are changing every time. In fact, Americans change a lot, but uh, some of you don't change. Some of you are never the same since I met you. In fact, I can say some of the beds that I slept in 18 years ago when I came to temple are the same beds I sleep in when I come to temple to preach. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I mean, they have changed their fittings and um, mattresses by the same homes, the same houses. I mean, when I go to the wolves, Steve and Wendy, I sleep in the same bed that I slept 18 years ago. When I go to Greg and Pam, almost the same thing. Uh, Gary and Bev decide to move. I don't, I've been in their new home. But we have neighbors that have lived with us for years. But when you talk about neighbors, when the Bible talks about neighbors, we are not necessarily talking about the neighbors, next door neighbor. Sometimes the Bible is talking about the neighbors far off in other land. We're talking about neighbors who look different from us, who don't speak our language, who look like me, who speak funny like me, who don't speak English. Some of you are wondering even what I'm saying. Those are the neighbors that God tells us about when the question is, who is my neighbor? And so, because the landscape of our neighborhood is changing, and because we have been called into a family that is broader than our small families, the question of who is my neighbor becomes very important as we live our Christian faith every day. Today, I want to talk about justice for the neighbor and a lesson or lessons from the Good Samaritans. In Luke chapter 10, uh, is a story that you, you are familiar with. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37, we read a story about the Good Samaritan. In fact, the question begins when this lawyer uh, asked Jesus a question. Of course, we love lawyers, we hate lawyers. Be- Bitter and sweet, you know, sweet and bitter and sour, sweet and sour. But lawyers, they ask us questions to reflect on what's going on. They ask questions to actually question our motives. They ask us questions to look deep inside our hearts and our minds. They question everything so that we find the truth. But sometimes the lawyers are so crazy that they ask stupid questions. Like this question. What can I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this is the question. Actually, this is an important question. This is not a stupid question. This is very, very important because this lawyer, even though he has studied law, even though he knows the Old Testament, by the way, when the Bible says the next part of the law is the New Testament, the law of Moses, the Old Testament law. But he asked the question that he probably would have found an answer And he says, Jesus, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Now, Jesus being a good teacher, he answers the question by another question. Then he says, Okay, you are a lawyer, you are a learned man. What does the law say? Okay, so the lawyer meets the lawyer. The lawyer meets the teacher. The teacher asks the lawyer, what do you think? What does the law say? You are a student of the law. What does the law say? He says, okay, Jesus, this is what the law says. Then he summarizes the Ten Commandments. He says, love God and love the neighbor. Literally, that is Ten Commandments. You see, the Ten Commandments are divided into two pieces. The first four commandments are how to love God. The last six is how to love your neighbor. That's the summary of it. Then the lawyer, the Bible says, wanting to justify himself. Again, the lawyers, they are always trying to justify. The Bible says, wanting to justify himself. Then he asks, who is my neighbor? Now, Jesus tells the story. We Africans, we like stories. Actually, we love stories. Because we don't know how to read and write. So how else will we learn? (laughs) Stories. But also stories make points. Because the stories that Jesus tells are not just tales. Are not just uh, made up stories. These are stories that happened in real life. Because Jesus knows what's happening. He knew what happened to this story. Actually, he knows that this boy from the bushes of Rwanda, he's speaking a Temple, speaking English. He cannot speak to the Americans who speak English. Jesus knows I'm doing this now. It's amazing. In fact, he knows what I'm going to say before I say it. So the story that Jesus says is a reality, is a life experience, it is something that happened on this road. Then he begins the story by saying, a man was traveling from Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho. A man, and as I read, pay attention to the characters that are mentioned in this chapter 10 of Luke. I begin verse 30. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell in the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. A Levite, when he came to the same place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But as a mountain, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? The lawyer replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Jesus said, your neighbor is the person who needs help from you. That's the answer. We can go home now. <laughs> no, no, that quick. <laughs> Justice for the neighbor. The characters mentioned, you have the lawyer, the teacher, who is Jesus. You have a traveler, you have the thieves. You have a priest, you have a Levite, you have a Samaritan, and the innkeeper, and then we have a non-human, a donkey. A donkey. And today I'll talk more about a donkey, because I want to be a donkey, and I pray that you become donkeys. (laughs) But let's begin with how these three characters perceived the wounded. The Bible tells us the man was beaten up. He was probably a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho to do his business. We don't know what was going on, but we know he was not aimlessly wandering around. He was traveling from one point to another point. He had some business to do. But on the road, the Bible tells us that robbers, thieves, beat him up. And then things happened. This man is wounded, he's stripped naked, he's left half dead. He has no help at all, but he is there, helpless, left half dead. How did these characters perceive him? For the lawyer, this man is a topic for discussion. Yeah, let's discuss about this event, this man. For Jesus, this is a lesson to learn from. For Jesus, this is actual life experience, real life that we have to learn from. We have to learn because on one point we may become the victim; on the other hand, we may become the responder. So, how do we learn from this man? For the robbers, the thieves, what we have is mine. You are misery. You are your life. What we have, I will take it, no matter the cost. I will strip you naked. I will take your money. I will beat you up. I will leave you dead. Most of the people, this is how they respond today. For the priests and the Levites, the religious people, they said, you are a problem to be avoided. We are holy. We are pure. We can't touch you. Bye-bye. For the Samaritan, your life is worth saving. I will do everything I can to save your life. For the donkey... You are burdened to share, and I come back to this donkey, let alone. and for the innkeeper, you are business opportunity, I will make money out of your misery. This is how people respond to the wounded, to the victims of injustice. How do we respond? How do they respond really? Let me go back to each one of them to really explore how do they respond and how does that affect our life today? Who is my neighbor? My neighbor is not necessarily my brother, the one who is born out of my same mother, but my neighbor is whoever God puts on my way. And sometimes those who don't deserve my attention, sometimes they look different from me. Sometimes they come from a different land. Sometimes they speak a different language. Sometimes they worship differently. In fact, sometimes they worship a different God. My neighbor is whoever God puts on my way. And so we begin by the robbers. The Bible says they will take the dignity away. They took his dignity away. When People who are sufferers, who are victims of injustice, when they are stripped of their humanity, my friends, their dignity is taken away. So for the robbers, they beat him up, they left him, they took his clothes, they beat him, they left him half dead. Have we ever experienced this exp- experience being half dead? I have. In those days, nineteen. 19- 94 when I began to work with my own Hutu. Uh, my own tribesmen and working with my neighbors, Tutsis, begin to work on forgiveness and the reconciliation, begin to help them to realize that we are all equal. We are all created in God's image. Whether we are Hutus or Tutsis, we can't kill each other. I faced terrible situation where my own tribesmen began to say, he is working for the other. He has betrayed his own race in that refugee camp out of Goma. Refugee camp in this eucalyptus forest in the camp that Getty and others visited in Six, These men took me in this forest, beat me up because I betrayed them. They harassed me, they kicked me, and they left me unconscious. A half-dead man doesn't know what's going on. I know what it is to be humiliated. To be stripped of your dignity, to be taken like a robber or a thief when you have not done anything wrong. They beat me up that even today I can't stand more than three hours. I have to say have a seat because my back is broken. And one day when we get home, I know my back will be alright. But until then I have to preach. The robbers, they left him dead. In fact, he was deprived of everything. They left him naked. He could not even stand. Even if he had some power, he could not go naked to run the village to ask for help. That's the point of striping him naked because he could not go anywhere. The response of the thieves is, what we have is mine. I have to gather everything because what we have and what I have, they are all mine. We live in a world of gatherers. We want to amass property, riches, and money, everything. It doesn't matter how we acquire it. We gather everything. For the priests and Levites, the response is, you are of a different tribe, you are impure to care for. And so they have, so the man, remember the Levites and the priests, they were not supposed to touch a dead body. They were religious people. They have to keep their purity. But how did they know the man was dead? You see, they are so religious that they fail to be spiritual. The man was not dead. If they had the courage, if they had the humanity in their hearts, if they had this consideration, they would have... Come maybe closer, not touch the dead body so that they can continue to be pure. But maybe look, maybe call somebody else to come and say, could you touch, could you see the past, can you you do something? But the Bible says when they saw the dead body, they didn't care about the man, whether he was alive or dead, they just passed on the other side. We see the needs, we see the neighbors, we pass the other side. in fact, we begin to come up with strategies how to keep the neighbors out. We want to build walls between us and Mexico. Oh, they are Arabs. Oh, they are Muslim. Oh, they are terrorists. Oh, keep the Syrians away. Oh, they are black. Oh, they are yellow. Oh, they are homeless. Keep them away. We want to pass the other side. We want them on the other side. Justice for the neighbor calls us To reconsider. And some of us, we are just religious people. We come to church every Sunday. But we are not spiritual people. Being religious and being spiritual, two different things. And in fact, I tell people sometimes we are like, we go to church, we know the songs, we sing the songs, we have the Bible... But we are not doing what our Heavenly Father wants us to do. That's why Jesus is telling the story. He's telling us, this is not a hypothetical case. This is a reality. He says, these religious people, they didn't act like their father, but they went on the other side. So we can become religious people. We can, be, we can know the songs. We can know the hymns. We can memorize the verses. We can come to church, but it doesn't make us Christians. It doesn't make us spiritual. Just like You can live with pigs, especially in Africa. You can live with pigs. You can eat their food. You will never become a pig. You can smell like a pig, I guarantee you, because I think I experienced something like that. You can smell like a pig, but will not become a pig. You can be a religious person without being transformed. The priests, the Levites, they kept their religiosity. They lost the meaning of being spiritual. The Samaritan, I will come back to him. For him, he said, the life of this man, different life, different tribe. Remember, the Samaritans and the Jews will not come closer to each other. And in fact, maybe if... The man beaten was a Samaritan. I don't know if this Jewish man would have stopped to help him. Because we have said, oh no, these are impure people. We, Jewish community, we, these people, those people, we don't mix. Because the Samaritans were products product of the marriage between the Jewish people and the Gentile, Samaritans were outcasts. The Jewish people will not associate themselves with Samaritans. Oh, those people. That's what we do every day today. Oh, those people. We don't even know their name. We don't want to mention them. Oh, those people from that tribe, from that race, from that country. Oh, those people. But the Samaritan, he goes there, the Bible says, he had pity on him, and he said, your life is worth saving. I don't care, there are our tribe differences, I don't care what our people say against each other, but for me, as a human being, I will pay everything, and I will save your life, because your life is worth saving. And so he did what he could, and we come back to it. And then you find the donkey, the donkey said, I am willing to share the burden. I am an extension of my master's shoulders and, and, and legs and, and the arms and the heart and back. And so the donkey could have said, I don't want to cut this guy. I don't know this guy. My back is only for my master. Therefore, I don't know this guy. The donkey should have kicked the guy and, and, and refused to cut this bleeding man. There was probably a, diff, a, a long distance between where the man was ambushed and the inn. Because the thieves could not have beaten him up in a place where by crying, the people would listen. No, they ambushed him very far. So there was a distance between the crime scene and the inn. And so the man had to put the beaten and conscience on the donkey and walked while the donkey is carrying the man. So the donkey said, Master, my back is an extension of your back. I will carry, I will share the burden with you. The donkey carried the half-conscious, beaten up, bleeding man. The innkeeper, of course, he made profit. He made a profit. He said, okay, your misery is my chance. I want to tell you as I visit refugee camps, I visit the places of brokenness, I see many international organizations, they, some do good, others do good, but majority of them, do you know, money that's spent on those needs come back to America or go back to Europe. Do you know that? There are people who gain, who profit from the terrible situations of other people. There are people who spend, who get more money because of the wars happening in many countries. Of course, there are people who are selling guns and they they are profiting from those guns. In Rwanda, in Congo, in South Sudan, they don't make guns. They don't make grenades. They don't make Kashnikov. But there are people who are supplying them because their misery is their opportunities for money-making. Do you know that when we, even our own country, of, our own government of America, send aid to Africa or to any other countries, do you know that only 10% is spent on the people on the ground? And 90% comes back. Because what do we do? We send men who have no skills to be drivers of the truck full of food. They make more money than a physician in a temple. They cannot get jobs in a temple themselves. And so, do we help Africa? No, we don't help Africa. We help ourselves. that's part of injustice. That's part of what I'm talking about. That's why the church has to do more than the government. That's why the church is the only instrument that can make a difference. For the innkeeper, I will make profit out of your misery. But we read the good Samaritan. The Bible tells us, the good Samaritan, the Bible says... When verse thirty-three, but as a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. My friends, until we began to reflect on ourselves, until we begin to realize that God took pity on us, where we, when we were lost, why we were lost in our sin, God had pity on us and saved us. You see, we were traveling, we were lost, we were stripped, we were naked, we were humiliated. We had been, uh, our dignity had been taken by the devil. We had become the slave to sin and the devil had us in his grips. And then God in his grace had pity on Celestine and he sent his son who died so that Celestine can come out of that situation and have eternal life. God had pity on you, God had pity on us. So pity and mercy makes us act. Because the good Samaritan had pity, because he had mercy, he acted. Eight things that he did, and I want to tell you those things that he did. Mercy, compassion compels us to act. That's why the Bible says, be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. Be compassionate as your father is compassionate. So God wants us to reflect his character. God wants Christians, the church, to be his people in dealing with injustice, in dealing with the needy, in dealing with the people who are different from us but who need our help. God wants us to begin by being merciful, compassionate, not legalistic, not nonsense. He wants us to be merciful and Compassionate because that's what he had on us. And so he began by saying, This man, he went to him. The Bible says, When the good Samaritan saw him, the first thing he did, he went to him. While the Levite and the priest went on the other side, he went to him. What's your name, sir? David. David. He went to him because he saw David. He is human being like me, he bleeds the same blood, whether he's a Jewish or a Hutu or a Tutsi or a black or a yellow or an, an Arab or a Mexican or a Hispanic, whatever it is, he realized that he has the humanity that he shares with him. He went to him. He didn't avoid him. The first thing he realized that he shares humanity with him. My friends, it doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter how they look like. It doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter their country, their religion, or even their way of worship. We all share humanity because we are all from one family Adam and Eve. We, bl- we, bl- we bleed the same blood. He acknowledged his humanity. Secondly, he bandaged his wounds. He accepted to be dirty and messy. You know, remember, this man, he was not a physician. He was not a nurse. Who was going, he was just a businessman doing his business. He didn't avoid him because this man, this blood is going to infect me. Maybe he's an African. Maybe he has HIV AIDS. I will not touch him. He didn't have even gloves. I don't think he, he was walking with gloves in his, on his donkey. You no know, donkey can put his gloves in your ears, you know. And then, when I need them, I pull them out? No. He didn't have. Because he was not a physician, he was not a nurse. But he did. I don't know if he tore his shirt or his, his, his robe and to bandage him. I don't know what he did, but he became dirty and, uh, uh, and messy. He bandaged his needs. My friends, if we're going to meet the needs of the, our neighbors, we have to be messy and dirty. And sometimes when we speak, people will not accept who we are. Because people in America, they want us to speak either as Democrats or Republicans. Do we build a wall or not? We want to be Trump. No. Jesus is saying, no, you need to be Christians. For the justice of your neighbor, you need to be dirty, you need to be mess- messy because that's what God did for us. Christ came here. He took our mess. He took our sins on him. He carried our sins to the cross. He became messy and dirty, and God abandoned him. That's why he cried, Father, why have you abandoned me? Because he became dirty and messy. That's what it takes for justice for a neighbor. And then he poured oil and wine on him. He gave his provision. He did not carry extra wine, extra oil. He did not carry. He had enough for him. By this moment, what was needed... His provision, he gave his provision to power on the wound so that the wound will not be infected. He wanted to keep the wound fresh so that there's no bad problem. So he tried to give his provision. The Bible says, then he put him on his own donkey. He didn't see this man is dirty. My donkey is clean. Some donkeys are not clean. But he didn't care about the situation of this man. He gave him the priority over himself. He says, he will be on my donkey. He didn't say, no, my donkey is my donkey. You can't see my donkey. You, you are dirty. You are bleeding. I, he put him on his donkey, and the donkey could not cut of them, which means he walked while the guy was on the donkey. He gave him priority over his comfort. He took him to an inn. He cared for his safety and at his own cost. Most of the people don't read, and in fact, some people believe, some people think that he took him and got him to the inn and said, "You innkeeper, I'll give you money. Take care of him." No, actually, he stayed there. The Bible says he stayed there because the Bible tells us when the next day, verse thirty-five, the next day. He took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for an extra expense. The man took him to the inn. Remember, the inn was not a clinic. It was not a hospital. The inn was a place where people would sleep. Which means when he took him there, he stayed with him. He continued to wash him. He continued to, to touch him. He continued to see the temperature. He continued to turn him. He continued to see if he's breathing. He cared literally for him. He suspended everything. He suspended his trip. He suspended his business. He suspended everything. Priority was the well-being of this man. He spent a night there. He spent a night there didn't have extra and some of us maybe especially we in America we don't care about this kind of things because we say if it's not budgeted it's not budgeted I will not give if Jesus came today and say do this because of this you say Jesus wait when I put you in the budget then I will give you see this man gave everything and then he says he spent a night with him giving him priority and then he made a deposit Before he left, he said to the innkeeper, here is the money and this is advance and then I'll be back. Like Schwarzenegger, you know, I'll be back. (laughs) I mean, he literally said, I'll be back. He said, I'll be back if there's extra cost more than what I'm leaving, I'll be back to pay the extra cost. See, he was not a relative. By the way, he was this, uh, a guy who was from a different tribe. This man could have a reason why not, not to help. Maybe he could have said, oh, I don't want to stop and help this man because the thieves who, who beat up this man may be hiding in the bush. They will jump on me. Let me run. Or he would have said, no, I don't have uh, gloves. I don't have protection. I don't want to touch him because I'll be infected by his disease. Oh. he could have said, oh, if I help him and then other Jews, other people from my own tribe, when they see me, they disown me because I'm associating myself with the wrong tribe, with the wrong people, with the wrong color. Or with the homeless, oh, with the black, with the red, with the yellow. Or with the Hispanic, with the Mexicans. I can't because they will see me. Or he could have blamed the, uh, the city council, or maybe the city council should have put lights. Now, this is American response. Oh, the city council put lights so that there are no thieves. We want light on the street. Oh, maybe this is the work of the cop. Maybe the cop come and take care of this. You see, this man could have had all the reasons not to get involved. But he risked his life. So my friends, the reality of this world is that in this world, we have the reality. Whether you live in Dallas, whether you live in a temple, whether you live in Rwanda, in Syria, they are voyagers, they are travelers in this world. And sometimes we are travelers. I have been in this position. But also they are robbers of all kinds on the road. And sometimes I have been robbed. I have been a robber. And many of us, many times we rob. We say, what is ours is ours, and God say, no, what is mine, give me part of it. We say, God, no, this is mine, I don't care. This is mine. We are robbers. But also, they are kind of responders. We are all need to respond. But the question is, how will we respond? We can respond like the people in the Old Testament who said, Oh, God, I am fasting, I'm praying, I'm tearing my clothes, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. But God says, I don't care about you, I Fasting, because you are fasting is not real. You are religious people, but you are not spiritual. And so our response to victim of injustice must follow God's heart. God says to the people of Israel that their fasting, their prayers are useless because they miss the point. And he tells them in Isaiah 58, verse 6 to 7, he says, this is the fast that I want. Lose the chain of injustice, set the oppressed free, share the food with the hungry, provide shelter to the wanderers, clothe the naked and not turn away from your own blood and flesh. Means everybody who has blood is our bl- brothers and our sisters. They may be our brothers and our sisters from the other mothers, but they are created in God's image. So God says, they first the prayer that i need is when you don't turn away from your own flesh and your own blood and then he says in micah that we need to do justice love mercy and humbly walk before god and james he says religion that god honors is to take care of the widows and the orphans in their distress and to keep ourselves pure you see It is by grace, it is by God's grace that we become pure because we get the righteousness of God. In Christ, we become righteous. And that's what makes us pure. It's not keeping religion festivals or or the rituals. No, what makes us holy is Christ's righteousness imputed in us. And then he says, once he's done that, the rest is caring for the widows and orphans. That's our life. And so, my friends, what, does, what do we learn from the Samaritans? The Samaritans teach us six lessons. One is when we get into justice, we get ourselves in dirty and dangerous mission. Dirty and dangerous mission because this world is crazy. Many of you have been involved in missions This church is involved in different ministries. As I said, if this church had not been involved, I don't know where I would be. Where are many pastors in Africa have been trained because of this church. There are many women and women in this church who have been so faithful in, in being involved in missions here, out here, out there, in Africa, in Asia. Some of you have gone. Some of you continue to go. It is not... Many times it's not like noodles. It is tough. But secondly, we get ourselves involved in a costly and expensive mission. We give out of abundance. We don't actually give the leftover. We give priority. We make priority missions. We don't give to missions what is leftover. Like the good Samaritans, we make missions priority. Our thinking of materialism has twisted our minds and our souls. That we only give to God the leftover no, we need to give to God ourselves, our hearts, and then once we do that, everything we have belongs to God. When priority comes, we don't see we have to exchange the priority. That is number three. We are willing to change and rearrange, rearrange our plans and priorities. The good Samaritan stopped his journey. He had a business to do. He had a, a time to uh, a time. He had to be somewhere to do something for the sake of his family, for the sake of business. But this man, stripped of his dignity, became a priority for him. So my friends, we Christians, until we know how to rearrange our priorities so that God's priorities become our priorities, then we are just religious. Next. Next. We aim at healing and restoring people's dignity. There are people in many parts of the world who, whose dignity has been taken away by what has been done to them. Whether we are talking about those women, those. Widows in Congo, whether we're talking about those victims of rape in South Sudan or in the Congo, whether we're talking about the orphans or talking about the women who are prostitutes in Basse, where you, the church, has been sending people in Rwanda to help those people, sometimes those women who have been prostitutes because their husband died of HIV AIDS or their husband died in the genocide, now they prostitute to take care of their children. Until we come to them and give them dignity until we restore them back, we have not done the work. We can't even tell them the gospel until their dignity is restored back. Those victims of rape in Congo, when their own families tell them, you are are responsible, you are the reason why you were raped and they are thrown away. Their family threw them away. We go, our staff they go and help them, advise them, counsel them, spend time with them tell them God loves them just as they are. And help them to realize that God will still Christ will still die for them, and help them to deal with the trauma, with the anger, the bitterness, and the shame and guilt. Then, once that is done, then you can help them to begin to build their lives again. Stripped people don't have strength to come up. Restoration and healing has to take place. And so we unconditionally and willingly invest in the future of others. We don't just help one and go. That's why we need to say we are coming back. And then, my friends, we need to say my involvement, my commitment to missions is not today, tomorrow. No, it's lo- lifelong. And finally, we commit to a long-term journey towards completing, a uh, complete recovery and sustainability. Microwave solutions don't help because beaten up, and stripped people take time to hear. Americans, we are used to microwave. We stand in front of our microwave, we put something, we count seconds, and beep, voila, we can eat. <laughs> Solution, problem of this world cannot be resolved by microwave solutions. It has been 20 years since alarm began. We still have many years to come as the Lord will give us health as long as you're going to stand with us. Yes, we have seen change, transformation. We have seen pastors preach. We have seen churches planted. And in fact, this December, when I was in South Sudan at the graduation of our training, two young men for the last six years, two of these young men have planted over 20 churches. Things are happening, but we are not done yet. There are men, there are families in this church. Besides Gary and Babe, their families, if I mention them, they will be embarrassed and they will kill me today. But for eighteen years, every month they have given so that our staff and myself we can eat. They have given so that we buy Bibles for pastors, so we can train pastors. They are widows and orphans whose land had been taken away in northern Uganda, in Congo, in Burundi, whose land have been given back because our Christian lawyers, we trained, they began to speak for the widows and orphans. Those widows have gotten their land back. Things are happening. But it's because some men and some women in this church have been consistent for the last 20 years. And this church has been consistent helping us because solutions for the stripped, naked, humiliated, depressed, oppressed people don't happen in a microwave solution. Justice for a neighbor requires that we commit ourselves for long term. As I conclude, I want to ask you, what kind of responder are you? Some of us, maybe we are just robbers. We want to Amass everything. We want to gather everything we can. We want to have material things so we don't care about our neighbors. Some of us are trying our best to be like the good Samaritans. Maybe some of you have given. I know people who have given and given. In fact, I know people who have given their last drop, their last check. They still give. Even though they are retired, they still give. But my prayer is that we, at least all of us, each one of us, will be like the donkey. That's why I pray that you will become donkeys of Jesus. You see, the donkey said, Master, I don't understand everything. Donkeys don't speak. In the Old Testament, one time they spoke. <laughs> Remember the donkey spoke to the man of God when he didn't do what? You are dogs, you are dogs, you are donkeys will speak one day. But this donkey didn't speak, but he acted. He did not reject the body on the top of his back. He did not say, I don't know this one. He's bleeding. He's dirty. I don't care him. I only care for my master. No, the donkey said, Master, if you want me to carry, to help you with this burden, I will carry the burden with you. I will be an extension of your back, of your feet, of your leg. Maybe that's what God is calling each one of us today to do. There is injustice around us. What are we going to do? Are we going to be like priests, religious people? Religi- religiosity without spirituality? Or are you going to be like the donkeys? Lord, I want to be an extension of your hand. I will do, I will share in the burden you have for the human being. Become a donkey for Jesus. Share the burden. Go out. Reach out. They are wounded. They are deprived. There are people who are mistreated. There are street men. There are street people on the street here. They are violated. They are victims of injustice around us. It is up to us to do something today. What will you do? Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the patience of my brothers and my sisters. I thank you for this lesson you have taught us. It's my prayer that, Father, we will be men and women full of mercy and compassion like our Father had compassion on us. You stopped, and you stopped everything you do to rescue us. I pray that, Father, we, in turn, will do the same. May we become the extension of your grace. May we stop and help the wounded, the oppressed, those victims of injustice in our communities around the world. May we become the donkeys who are willing to share the burden with our master so that people will know you by what we do, not what we say by our religious vocabularies, but how we live our life every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.